Let's do it. Hello, good morning, good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of the Health and Wellness Show. Today is Friday, April the 28th, and I am here alone. (laughs) I'm your lone host today. I'm Tiffany, your host, uh, Doug, Gabby, Erica, Elliot, and Jonathan are all otherwise occupied, so... uh, Don't worry, though, because we have a very special guest. Uh, This guest is someone who gave us a lot of good feedback regarding our show from a couple weeks ago on fluoroquinolones. So I'd like to introduce him and welcome him to the SOT Health and Wellness Show on the SOT Net Radio Network. (laughs) Okay, so we have in the studio today, we have Mark Gerard. He is a fluoroquinolone toxicity advocate, and he is one of the people who gave us a lot of good feedback regarding our last show. And uh, so, Mark, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, thanks for having me here. Um, I am 54 years old, and I have been floxed for about nine years uh, nine and a half years. I lived in Colorado, in the top of the Rockies, in Leadville, Colorado, and worked at uh, Copper Mountain Ski Resort for years, and in other restaurants and uh, stuff in the area. I was living the dream, uh, snowboarding, snowboarding when I wanted to on powder days, and uh, cooking in restaurants at night mostly, and uh, uh, really you know, working hard, playing harder, and uh, life was good. And then one day. I uh, had uh, some medical problems, and uh, they spiraled out of control, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, I had surgery for a broken ankle, and basically the hardware they put in my ankle broke apart, and so they had to go in and drill the broken pieces out, and during that surgery, mm-hmm. I got a MRSA infection in the ho- you know, hospital-inquired infection that was eating at my ankle. And so for that, they gave me uh, Leviquin and uh, another antibiotic called Ansef. And uh, right away, I had a horrific reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had you know, my blood pressure went crazy. They thought the machine was uh, malfunctioning and rolled the machine out of my hospital room and rolled another one in and hooked it up. And it was like, lo and behold, it wasn't the machine. It was that my blood pressure was dropping dangerously low. And then it was, you know, an hour or two later, incredibly high. And uh, Mm -hmm. uh, my heart was racing and and, uh, many, many, many things were going on. And uh, they... Uh, we're attributing this to the fact that I was a heavy drinker, and mm. I worked. I, I uh, you know, I, like I said, I lived lived a, a hard life up there and partied hard, and uh, uh, so they, you know, they they decided I was an alcoholic, and that all the problems I was having were simply uh, withdrawals to alcohol, which uh, I wasn't that hard of a drinker. Uh, you know, um, anyway. Well, that's a uh, convenient way to ignore what was going on with you. How how did you break your ankle? Was it an uh, accident? 
Uh, it was, I, yeah, I slipped, uh, slipped on the snow, um, and, uh, my, my foot just slid sideways, uh, and my leg just sort of basically folded over and it sheared the, uh, ends of the leg bones off, uh, each leg bone, kind of a diagonal sheared off chip. So they had to stick this hardware through, you know, screws through these pieces to try and hold it all together. And that's what broke apart. Uh-huh. Um, and then, uh, so I, you know, I, I didn't know what was going on. Uh, yeah, it, the, there's the psychological things as far. I mean, I had spontaneous tendon ruptures. I had multiple tendon ruptures, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in my ankle where I was just sitting there and they ruptured. I've had, uh, a cartilage lesions where I had to have a transplant from a dead child. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had blood clots, broken blood vessels. I've had to have veins carved from 13 different entry points in my body. And now the veins are failing in that same area again and they're scheduling another identical surgery to go back in and do the same thing in the same area mm-hmm. i've had uh, you know, collapsed lung i've i went from this you know rugged snowboarder guy to half a dozen bulging discs in my back in just a couple years uh the, you know the damage these drugs do is horrific it's it's beyond beyond description uh um, head to toe devastation because the uh, drugs are are from a, a class of drugs that is normally used for chemo and mm-hmm. uh, they just happen to kill bacteria and it doesn't make them a bad drug. I, like in, in my case, the doctor, you know, I, I I probably needed to have Leviquin, but my doctor, you know, I I I needed five hundred milligrams a day for five days and he gave me a thousand milligrams a day for 21 days Mm. and so it's like giving somebody chemo without telling them and then giving them six times as much as is recommended on a whim just because and And when you uh, when they discovered that you had this infection in your ankle did they do a culture on you to find out which drugs the bacteria would be susceptible to um they did they just decide to give you the I was already uh, well into the treatment by the time the cultures came back. They did mm-hmm. do the culture, but uh, um, and yeah, in in high, in, you know, again, most people that get these drugs don't need them. One of mm-hmm. the big problems is it's not that they're a bad drug; it's just that they're prescribed literally thousands of times too often. Um, yeah, I think they, they're given out like candy, and yep. most of the. Patients, I work as a nurse. Most of the patients that they are given out to, they don't even bother to do a culture. People come in with a uh, sinus infection or a urinary tract infection, and they'll notice in their, you know, urine work or blood work that they have high white blood cell count, and they'll just give them something without doing a culture. Yep. And this is the, they go to the fluoroquinolones because they're the big guns and they, uh, work for whatever the patient's coming in for. That's a lot of times that'll be the, ba- the, the doctor's approach is he just goes to Leviquin. They, whether they've had a infection, in a, you know, derm- dermatological infection or whether they've got a respiratory infection or a ur- urinary infection or, or whatever it is, there's just like the Leviquin, the Leviquin, the Leviquin. Mm-hmm. It's easy, easy to just, uh, write the prescription and move on to the next patient. And, uh, whether that's because the doctor is absurdly busy or whether the doctor is, uh, racking up the bucks, you know, people mm-hmm. debate whether, whether, what the reason is probably balance of both. And, 
And, uh, you know, whatever the reason is, the doctor goes to the Leviquin quickly or the Cipro. Uh, there's, those are the main two. There is also Avalox is mm-hmm. another one and Factive, but, uh, you know, together they're just a couple percentage of the market. Uh, there are also the eardrops and eye drops. That's one of the things people that are giving That is scary. Them- yeah, giving them to their kids, and the kids aren't even young enough to describe what it is that's happening to them, and and these children are gonna are just gonna be destroyed for life. It's it's horrible to think of what's gonna happen to these kids, and the doctors um, are just absurdly overconfident in everything they prescribe. But in in the case of these drugs, um, we found that uh, we went. I, I spoke at a uh, Meeting November 5th at the, uh, November 5th of 2015 at the FDA mm-hmm. about the, about these drugs. And it was obvious from the slides that, um, the, the drug industry was presenting. Even their own slides showed that, um, patients report, self-report to the, uh, MedWatch AERS adverse event reporting system or whatever it's called, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, for for our drug, the, for the fluoroquinolones, they report over 85% of the time is 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 the patients, and and normally it's almost always the doctors. It just kind of the patients are also allowed to report, and so two percent, four percent, twelve percent of the time a patient will report uh, uh, the problem with the drug, depending on you know how aware the doctors are and how serious the Drug problems with the drug are, and and you know, so how aware patients are of it. Um, so, in, in in our case, it's obvious that the doctors are just completely missing, and that doesn't happen in a vacuum. It had had to have happened for a reason, and it, it's clearly that the pharmaceutical industry has gone out of their way to mislead the medical community about the safety profile of these drugs, even more than they usually do, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Sadly, doctors get the vast majority of their information about drugs from the commission drug reps that who, you know, generally have a high school education and who are trained not in how drugs work and what the benefits and, and disadvantages of the drugs are. They are trained in how to go in and manipulate the conversation so that the doctor buys the drug they're selling. Mm-hmm. And they, they carefully construct the conversation so that the drug rep is not actually lying. They are simply omitting information or implying things that aren't the case or they are trained to answer a question with a question and, miss, you know, turn, turn the conversation in a different direction when they can't answer the question honestly and things like that. So the, this, this is where doctors get the vast majority of their information about drugs. And uh, in our case, they are obviously even more overconfident than, uh, than usual. And, and that, that means that when we go to the doctor and we report uh, this list of things that's listed right there. You know, it's not like we're making it up or something. Uh, it's, it's, we're there with these obviously very serious problems and they're listed on the product literature. But when you try and get the doctor 
to acknowledge the possibility that this long list of horrific damage that's mm-hmm. listed right there on the product literature is related, they will, you know, look at you like you're trying to, you know, uh, tell them that, you know, aliens abducted me and that's the problem. <laughs> of, you know, uh, it just, they just, they will not believe us. And, and it's, uh, we have, Numerous Facebook groups, the fluoroquinolone toxicity group is the main group. And as people show up there, it's consistently, they have the same story again mm-hmm. and again and again that their doctors don't believe them. No one on their medical team or maybe one doctor, their ophthalmologist might, you know, have read that, mm-hmm. read that this is true and acknowledge the possibility. But then he'll say, but it must have cleared your system by now. And, uh, and even they, they, you know, like we may be able to get that one doctor to sort of acknowledge, but they're clueless as far as the devastation, the head-to-toe devastation that these drugs cause. Well, one thing that I notice is that not only do the patients rarely read the uh, medication information that comes with the drug, the doctors rarely do either. And uh, what we talked about in the last show on fluoroquinolones is that, uh, for example, the Cipro or Ciprofloxacin, their package insert is 43 pages long, and it doesn't get to the horrific side effects until page 10. So doctors are very busy, and uh, they, like you said, they get their information from the drug reps. They probably also get it from media, or maybe they might just read the abstract of a, a paper in a medical journal. But I don't think that most doctors put in the hard research when it comes to prescribing their patients certain medications. No, they don't. I think with any medications across mm-hmm. the board, they're they're just uh, they're trained in in a system that is beholden to the pharmaceutical industry. They, you know, the hospitals and schools that they trained in uh, receive hundred million dollar grants from uh, uh, pharmaceutical companies to tra- you know, to put in whole wings of buildings and whatever, and they uh, have training programs that are focus entirely on drugs and mm-hmm. drugs and procedures and and uh it's history that you know from the American Medical Association 100 years ago uh through through uh you know the course of history of America and, and globally the uh doctors and and the pharmaceutical industry have controlled the dialogue to monopolize uh monopolize the gateway to health if you will uh, mm-hmm. they've Crushed homeopathy and uh, and ridiculed Ayurvedic medicine and Chinese medicine, which have been keeping people healthy for you know thirty five hundred years, you know each of them, and uh, uh, each has you know much knowledge that uh, mm-hmm. can be shared, and and it, as as we start to document it with uh, with Western techniques, is proving that you know it's like yeah these the you know turmeric and things like that are just incredibly beneficial. So, yeah, uh, they basically exerted a monopoly over the health and wellness field. Yep, and that's, we're still, and they they have and are, and and we fight it. And, you know, I mean, when we go to speak, when I spoke at the FDA, the FDA, I was, the the doctors on the panel were clearly very receptive. And uh, so part of the system is, is working. They listened to us and voted unanimously. to 
you know, restrict the use of the drugs. That's the uh, restriction that happened last summer uh, in 2016 was a result, a direct result of the meetings that we had uh, the previous November. How did and, you arrange yeah. that? Because the average person, if they had, you know, a burning desire to consult with the FDA over some kind of adverse effect of a medication, how would they even go about doing something like that? How did you do it? Um, it was the work of a variety of people, and, and even uh, the, we stand on the shoulders of the people that worked before us. We've been fighting for 30 years. Uh, I've only been at it, uh, you know, less than a decade. But uh, um, there's some people that had some connections. Plus, I mean, we have a, uh, the Quinolone Vigilance Foundation was involved, and they uh, they are focused on developing research but also advocacy and working with both uh, the FDA and the CDC to try and uh, – improve our situation. Um, uh, I don't have a whole lot of faith in either the FDA or the CDC and think that they're mm-hmm. both corrupted corrupted uh, heavily at the top. But uh, like I said, the doctors that were there on the panel, that uh, we were, there were two panels in the meeting. It kind of, this was a very rare meeting with actually the industry and two panels and the media and the victims all in one, you know, big room and uh and uh the doctors you know just uh not only did they vote with us but then they spent uh another hour hour and a half just ripping into the pharmaceutical industry people and and confronting them and putting them on the spot to try and answer questions and Mm -hmm. uh and and it was obvious even afterwards i tried to network with some of the doctors on the industry side and it was clear they just really don't give a darn about us and uh they're in it for the money and Mm -hmm. it's it just you know when you when you I, you know these people exist. It's happening. The uh, you know it's it's one thing to know they're out there, and it's another thing to actually be in a room and confront them and tell your story and and be one of many people that tells just these tear heart wrenching stories. And these people were just, just it went right over their heads. They weren't moved at all. at all. Yeah, yeah. I was like, how can you be like that? I don't. I don't, I don't get it. And one of the most it. disconcerting things that I notice when someone testifies at the FDA. Uh, regarding some kind of damage that they suffered. The drug company uh, PR people always come out and they say how the drug has been on the market for X number of years and has a proven safety record and it's only uh, it should be used only according to uh, the instructions that are on the package insert and when they're used correctly, you know, they have a great uh, track record of success. And they just say nothing to address the damage that's actually been caused and the evidence that's just basically looking them right in the face. Yeah, yeah, they'll, they'll just sit there and say that right when, and I, and I mean, that's a carefully thing, uh, carefully worded thing. When Mm -hmm. used as prescribed, Leviquin has been, uh, used successfully for 30 years or blah, blah, blah. You know, say, well, first of all, uh, the, MedWatch reporting system uh, that went into place partway through those 30 years uh, is just an abject failure. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, at best, it gets one in a hundred, uh, you know, one in a hundred. And I think probably in our case, uh, since our numbers were 20 times worse in that meeting that, you know, we're guessing that one out of every 2000 cases is getting reported. Um, so, uh you know, first that those numbers are just absurd. And then the, those numbers also, again, are carefully couched in that wording when used as prescribed. One study that we uh, read showed that this was one out of every 88 times mm-hmm. that, uh, 
that's 87 out of 88 times either no antibiotic was required at all in the first place, it was either a viral infection or it was not an infection at all and poisoning or whatever. Uh, and then when an antibiotic was warranted, the uh, first antibiotic of choice would almost, almost always not be a fluoroquinolone. And then on those rare occasions uh, where a fluoroquinolone is actually the uh, warranted uh, antibiotic, you would still have the doctor doing as mine did, uh, prescribing the drugs in conjunction with other drugs that are contraindicated. Uh, I was given Aleve or naproxen sodium uh, in massive doses at the same time, which is uh, not supposed to be done. And I was on a collection of other drugs because of the problems I'd been having, uh, you know, with the, the sur surgery and the uh, infection and some, I had, uh, uh, and some other medications that I was just on, I had uh, uh, indigestion. And so I was on a proton pump inhibitor, uh, mm -hmm. Prevacid, and those are also contraindicated. And then as things got worse and, and the blood clots showed up, they uh, put me on warfarin, which is also contraindicated. Yeah. And so it, it's the way doctors work is just, they're just completely oblivious to the possibility that the problems we are suffering are a result of the prescriptions they've given us. And their first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth response is to still pull out the prescription pad. I was on 13, 14, 15 different drugs before and in the intensive care unit before one of the doctors in the intensive care unit said, hey, we need to just take him. He's he's reacting to all these drugs. Take him mm -hmm. off the drug. They took me off the drugs. You know, a few days later, I went from the intensive care unit back into the uh, main wing of the hospital. And... Uh, um, it just, you know, this, the overconfidence in the drugs is, is, is they're, they're not even tested adequately, mm -hmm. uh, by themselves. The, you know, I mean, the drug industry is allowed to do, the reason it costs so much to test drugs is because they run the same test 20 or 30 or 50 or 100 times so that, they can get the one with the best numbers. Then they get to throw away all those other tests. They don't even have to be surfaced. So only the very best one gets counted. And then, and then, you know, I mean, they'll follow people for two months and then walk away and say, okay, it's determined safe. And it's just like, two months is, two months is pushing it too. A lot of the studies, they only follow them for two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's here at Gar the Gardasil vaccine, four days. They mm. followed, it was about 112 girls for four days, something like that. And then it was like, boom, okay, it's safe. And then, and I mean, it's just like, and they unleash it on the population like that. It's just the, yeah, it's as the, if, if someone doesn't immediately drop dead right after receiving the dose, then they consider it a success. But an interesting yeah, even, thing you said about uh, the, the medications not being tested, they're not being tested alone long term. They're not being tested in conjunction with other medications. And like you said, the fluoroquinolone should not be given in conjunction with non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs like Aleve or ibuprofen or with steroids like prednisone. Um, yeah. So and yet there are there are actually even drugs that are packed. You know, it's just like on the one hand, the FDA is saying do not prescribe these together. Those are standard warnings both in the you know, the, the FDA's literature and in the product literature from the various producers, Bayer and Johnson and Johnson primarily. Mm -hmm. Um and yet there are 
FDA-approved drugs that have uh, uh, fluoroquinolones and steroids like in the same drops, eye mm-hmm. drops. And it's like uh, how, you know, one hand doesn't know what the other foot's doing or whatever. It's because it's just amazing that you can have uh, you know, warnings like that on a drug and, and clear, obvious patterns of, of horrific adverse reactions when this is done. Hmm. And yet these drugs that they're given to kids, little babies, eye drops and eardrops that have steroids and fluoroquinolones in them, you know, in this and preservatives. And so it's, it's just like they, there's the tamarisol from the, you know, it's just like they're putting these drops in the babies and it's just the, the, Guaranteed, going to be horrific results for every one of them. It's just going to be a matter of degree. It's it's malpractice. There's no other way to actually put it. It's malpractice. Um, You said when you first took the drug after your surgery, that the first thing you noticed was that your blood pressure was dropping at a rapid rate. When did you tie it into the fact that you took the drug? Three and a half years later. Three and a half years yeah, I went, I, I went from being food and beverage director at a at a beautiful lodge in uh, remote Colorado mountain area, uh, and and uh, just uh, you know really enjoying life. And uh, I, you know, before I knew what happened, I'd lost everything I had and was living in a car I wasn't being paid for, and they were trying to collect. And I, I was homeless on the streets north of Denver, and uh, you know, staying in construction projects to. Uh, and, and, uh, friends' couches sometimes and, and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Walmart parking lots. And my friends and family, uh, you know, just, they were concerned because, you know, I, I went from, you know, I, I was, I, I was a solid, productive, you know, predictable person. And this was not how I, you know, this was not me. So and, during those uh, three years, what did you think was wrong with you? Um, well, that's actually, I was, uh, exposed to contaminated syringes at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't really looking for anything. Um, and uh, the blood clots, um, are known in fluoroquinolone toxicity, but that was the, uh, um, also the, uh, telltale injury, uh, in the heparin disaster. Uh, this was, uh, uh, right at the same time, 2007, uh, there was a company in North Carolina that was uh, moving around from one little storefront to another, just a step ahead of the FDA, uh, packaging syringes of heparin. And they were buying clean syringes and buying clean batches of heparin and uh, and uh, doing contract work to produce, uh, you know, to package the heparin in the syringes. And, uh, the, the company was just, you know, where they were supposed to be hiring, uh, technicians that had, you know, uh, master's degrees or, 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 uh, in, in, you know, uh, molecular biology and so on and so forth. And they had high school dropouts chewing gum and stuff. This was supposed to be a clean room mm-hmm. when the FDA did bust in. And I mean, the syringes were piled in the, in a corner on the floor and they were scooping them with a snow shovel onto a table and people were, uh, chewing gum and smoking cigarettes and packaging these syringes. It was just a horror story. So you thought and, that uh, you come in contact with a dirty heparin needle and that was what was responsible for all the symptoms that you were experiencing? 
Yep, except I was, uh, you know, and I was in a lawsuit, except the, uh, the CEO of the company managed to take the money, go back to India, get an identity change, and disappear. And hmm. so, uh, I got, instead of, the, the letter came, I was, I was suicidal feeling, I didn't know what was going on in my life, I was disoriented, you know, at the time, uh, sort of staying in a friend's, friend of a friend's basement, um, and, uh, uh, the letter came and I thought it was going to be the, you know, settlement or at least an announcement of what the settlement would be. And it was like, the case is over. There's no case. The guy's gone. And it was, so I went at that point is when I, uh, gave away, I was giving away my possessions from that friend's basement because his house was repossessed. And, uh, and, uh, so that's when I went out on the streets and was just giving away, you know, the, the, all my prized possessions, my friends were, were, uh, you know, God concerned. It was like I, I was, I was on the brink of suicide and it was obvious. And, uh, and so friends can, got a hold of family. Can you describe the moment when, or what, what was a series of events that led up to your discovery that it was fluoroquinolone toxicity? Okay. Well, um, I, I'd moved to, from Colorado to, uh, Canada, um, I live with my sister now, uh, who is also floxed, uh, that we've determined. And, mm. uh, and because there's definitely a genetic component to this. And, uh, so she, it, she and the family stepped up and I moved in with her. And it was not too long after that I was on the internet, uh, searching around and looking in things. And, uh, and there was an article in a publication called Alternet. And, uh, it had, uh, really, you know, like, uh, hey, have you got, have you have any of these symptoms, 16 symptoms? And it's like, yeah. I have every one of those symptoms. And, and it's like, have you taken this drug? And I'm like, I took that drug and I'm pretty sure it was right before this happened. So I looked at the paperwork and, and sure enough, it was like, you know, right before everything turned to hell, it was, uh, that I'd taken Leviquin. Yeah. And, and further, further research showed that I, about, Two months before that, I was given Cipro for a cold. Mm. And so uh, that's one thing that, I mean, they should be literally, well, actually, they shouldn't even be allowed to prescribe these drugs unless you're in a hospital. But mm. but the way it is now, doctors are allowed to prescribe them. They should, at the very least, be required to check if a patient has had them before recently. You know, uh, the system or whatever, the pharmacy, you know, there needs to be better check checks put in place for this and other situations like this where i mean just because because for, you know taking drugs as prescribed is killing a quarter million americans a year more or less you know mm-hmm. that, that's just a, insane well prescription drug deaths uh, i think last time i checked were the third leading cause of death in the united yeah. states they have to break down doctors are the leading cause of death they have mm-hmm. to break it down into into like prescription drugs taken as prescribed is third prescription deaths taken as not as prescribed might be like seventh you know doctor malpractice in in surgery is like 17th you know they mm-hmm. add up to you know doctors kill more people than than cancer and heart attacks combined it's it's, it's just you know, doctors are the leading cause of death, and this is one of their favorite weapons now, the fluoroquinolones. Uh, yeah. I mean, they're, they're well-intentioned, um, the vast majority. I, th- you know, obviously I think they're well-intentioned. I think there's a lot, and I don't say this word you know, in a negative way, there's just a lot of ignorance and a lot yeah. of failing to do due diligence and do your research. And a lot of it goes to what you said earlier about how the doctors were trained. They're pretty much connected to their prescription pads. They really don't have any other tools. 
besides that? Yeah, that's it. The only tool in the kit. The only tools in the kit are the prescription drugs, and they are raised in a system that teaches them that that you know that this is the best thing going, and that this is what we have available, and that uh, you know that uh, they are taught to that everything else is quackery, and mm-hmm. you know like even basic common sense, nutrition, sunlight, hydration. Uh, you know the things that when you when we have a health issue. Which, first of all, if we lived healthy, we probably wouldn't have 19 out of 20 of these health issues or mm-hmm. whatever. And if they if they did, we should be addressing it with health and stuff. I firmly believe that everybody should have a holistic doctor, and that only when the holistic doctor deems it's necessary would a Western medicine doctor become involved and uh, and prescribe some sort of toxic chemical or radioactive intervention. You know, things that uh, that have proven to be successful at times and helpful, but that, you know, should not be our go-to, you know, I firmly firmly agree with that. I think that first of all, people should take primary responsibility for their own health. And if they have things that they can't figure out, they should be seen as holistic doctor and Western medicine or allopathic medicine should be a last resort. Like in cases of, an extreme infection or trauma or broken bones or things like that. That's why I think that Western medicine does okay, like emergency situations. But as far as chronic long-term care of people's health, no, they fall very short. Yep. I do want to say that uh, one of our co-hosts, Doug, joined us on the call. Doug, are you there? Sounds like he is not here. Okay. Well, he yeah, was I here. saw his face pop up on the on the screen. Thing, Hi, right? yes, I'm here. I'm Mark. Oh, he's here. Hello, Hello. Doug. No, I, can you not hear me? Yes, I yes, can hear you. Hear you now. Oh, you can't hear me. Okay, sorry, I was muted there for a second. <laughs> Hi, Mark. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, I, I came in late, so I was just listening for a while there. A pretty um, amazing story, Mark. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had a quick question for you. you. You mentioned before something about a genetic component to the, the these people who are kind of getting floxed. Can you maybe um, expand on that a little bit? Is that is that kind of a known thing, or is it just kind of suspected at this point? Um, yeah. Well, it, it's hard to even know how much is. Yeah, there's. It's a known thing. We do have a we have a, a group called the Fluoroquinolone Research Group. There's a whole lot of uh, Facebook groups, uh, support groups, and groups focused on different things. But uh, uh, yes, there it, it is obviously a genetic thing where uh, some of us are unable to process certain uh, elements or substances in our bodies, uh, the MTHFR, a defect in the methylation pathways where you can't... Uh, yeah. So yeah, that that uh, they're finding that the vast majority of us seem to have that issue, and where the cause and effect is uh, is not necessarily so established. Uh, whether we got floxed because we have that, or whether we we have that because we got floxed, mm-hmm. um, mm. and that uh, you know, that's that's a whole other thing. But uh, um, yeah. Just uh, there, there are certain people are predisposed to not being able to, uh, you know, process certain things, and so uh, uh, that yeah. runs in the family. And and so, so for from another aspect, like in the main group, we have, uh, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of cases where you have a father and a and a daughter or uh, siblings, like my sister and I, or uh, cousins and so on and so forth, where and we have family clusters of of people that are in there, um, who. Who are all floxed, and uh, wow. so so we know that 
from from that standpoint too and so we tell people you know it's just like hey if you know if this has happened to you you know you need to tell your family that you know there's a really good chance it's going to happen to them if they take these drugs yeah yeah not only are they genetic linked because they're in the same family but often the same family members will go to the same doctor and the doctor does the same thing mm-hmm. that they did to the other family member yep say yeah, yeah. the same make the same mistakes and then they'll they'll fail to recognize the same adverse reaction and they'll make the same mistakes in following through with prescribing you know it's like oh you're having a reaction here you'll need acetaminophen or a leave and 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 you know mm. whatever else and, and just exacerbating the steroids or uh ster- you know a lot of people end up with the steroids and that's enough to really make things worse and what's really strange is that years later we still react to those same drugs i i it's i'm almost 10 years out and i can't take advil or or uh a leave without getting a wicked burst of neuropathy disorientation uh you know thumping heart uh and stuff so uh for some reason we continue to have these adverse reactions uh with the drugs the uh, the NSAIDs the steroids and and of uh, wide variety of other drugs that we any fluorinated drug basically is one of the issues uh um, the fluorine in there is is the the original naldixic acid and other quinolones the quins as they have called them for short were uh uh from the 60s and into the 70s were uh incredibly toxic and it was obvious when the people took them that that that's what was causing the problem but when they added the fluorine, they were able to uh, – the drugs pass through membranes and, and mm-hmm. into other places of the body. Yeah, um, they added that to make it easier for the drug to cross the blood-brain barrier. Yep. And so, I mean, if you have a blood-brain in, uh, an infection in your brain or in your bone marrow, that's awesome. Uh, what that means that once in a long while, if you are that person, this drug is really – versatile in getting into uh, all these various nooks and crannies in the body mm-hmm. but it also means that that's uh, where the devastation happens if if we are if we suffer an adverse reaction we end up with a syndrome of damage from head to toe it's not like oh okay so then a tendon ruptures it's like if you're going to have a tendon rupture you're hit hard and you're basically going to have a psychological episode that goes on for years you're going to have uh yeah hair loss like i said these drugs related chemo your nails will fall off your teeth will crumble out your eyes will you know your vision will go your 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 nose will bleed your uh you know, every orifice will bleed. You will you will suffer horrific, nasty, horrible things. And and uh, and and they set in pretty much either all at once or in rapid succession. It's mm-hmm. it's it's unbelievable. And and you just don't know what's going on. And it's just it's like it's like you woke up in the twilight zone or in hell or something. It, it just it, it's mind boggling. And the people you look halfway healthy or, or mostly healthy, and and you, you try and tell people what's going on, and they just can't even believe uh, or fathom you know what's happening. And and yeah. for most of us, the the effect in our lives it's like not the doctors don't believe us, and so then they you know the the fan they tell the other family members it's like well you know he's making it up or he's mm-hmm. nuts or whatever um and and it, it just the the way it, it destroys our lives is is so overwhelming well another insidious thing yeah. about this the fluoroquinolones 
it took you three years to figure out what was causing your symptoms. And can you imagine, like, all these people who are suffering from what they think is fibromyalgia or Parkinson's or some other disease, and they have no idea the link between the symptoms that they're having and the fact that they took fluoroquinolone at some point in the past. Yeah, it's probably there's innumerable. There's no way to count it. Yeah, millions yeah. of people in America, tens of millions around the world. Uh, is a conservative estimate. You know, a hundred million of us around the world. This is a uh, a global catastrophe that will uh, run into the tens of trillions of dollars as far as what it's going to cost to clean up the mess. Uh, uh, in my in my mind, there's no reason that uh, these companies should be allowed to continue to exist. They need to be seized and dismantled to compensate the victims and mm-hmm. to clean up the mess. And uh, um, you know, if, if, even the for-profit model of uh, production of pharmaceuticals is, uh, in my mind, highly in question. Uh, the, I, I living in Canada, where I transfer, I went from you know homeless and on the streets of America to where uh, I'm in Canada and I've got health care and I and they're taking care of me and they are, uh, you know, they they put a shower in my house because I needed a place to bathe properly and uh, they you know they put a ramp and a deck uh, you know uh, so I can go outside and sit outside and, and get it up and down from my house you know these the difference uh, i just i'm a strong believer in, in socialized care for people and, and i believe that's the model that we should mm-hmm. have for pharmaceutical production the mm-hmm. the idea that companies should just be allowed to try and addict people and and, and try and literally they poison us they, the reason that they promote these drugs aggressively and and uh, fabricate a uh, safety profile that is uh, just f- beyond believability for you know for anybody except the doctors um the reason they do this is of course to cause us to be flocks they know mm-hmm. what's happening to us and they know that the that we will suddenly become lifelong customers maybe our lives will be cut in half but as long as we do live uh we will be needing uh you know Johnson and Johnson is there selling us everything from uh dozens of different prescription drugs to surgical supplies to walkers to uh ointments and so on and so forth i mean this is a massive crime against humanity an ongoing uh crime where they systematically and intentionally harm people in order mm-hmm. to sell them more stuff well in well, I think it's some actually ways probably worked into the Sorry, Tiff, go ahead. I was going to say, in some ways, uh, socialized health care is a good thing. I consider it only to be a good thing, though, if you're receiving the proper treatment. Uh, if you're not, then it's just like a waste yeah. of time and you're, you know, your health is down the toilet, even though your treatment is free. Yeah, oh yeah, there's the system, the whole, the whole system is, is so horribly broken that, I mean, you're just turning around and paying for the bogus, uh, paradigm of healthcare that we have now, uh, focused on chemicals, chemical intervention as the primary, uh, you know, first, first step and then, and going to the atom bomb as the first choice, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it's just, <laughs> Going to an antibiotic in most of these situations wasn't warranted in the first place, and then going to uh, a fluoroquinolone, you know, that's it's like using an atomic bomb to kill a fly. You know, it uh, yeah. it's just 
uh, absurd to use a drug that strong. I, I mean, I seriously, honestly, I had that infection on my leg. They should have cut my leg off before they ever should have considered giving me a fluoroquinolone. That's a, they should be considering amputation before they should consider prescribing a fluoroquinolone. And any doctor that would challenge that is an incompetent menace to his, his or her patients. Well, those are very strong words, but I think they're absolutely true. It should be an absolute last resort. But as much as I think about it, I cannot think of any situation if I were had a massive infection where I would want to take this medication. At all. No, I would, I would choose, I would choose my chances. Uh, you know, I'm not saying I recommend someone else choose their chip, but me, I would choose my chances over any infection. Uh, I, having already been harmed by this drug, I, mm-hmm. I'm prone to an even, you know, the next one would be just so horrific. It would probably kill me, but, uh, I, I'm, I'll just try my chance with infection, uh, before I would ever take these drugs again. And, and I, I literally think that you know, that's what people should do. You know, it's like if you were faced with anthrax or the plague, your chances with anthrax and the plague might be better than they are with these drugs. I, literally. And that's honestly. really saying a lot. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, and I mean, that's a, trying to fight well, the one plague. One of the things and, I think you know, that. Yeah, you know, there are traditional antibiotics, the garlic, everything from garlic to colloidal silver and stuff. I'm not saying just roll over and die, but I'm just saying, you know, with the with the options that are out there, yes, uh, you, that it you are better off trying those options and avoiding a drug like this than you are rolling the, you know, playing Russian roulette with something as dangerous as a fluoroquinolone. Go ahead, Doug. You were going to say something. Yeah. Um, no, I was just going to say that I think one of the the, um, the, the problems that um, people run into with these drugs, like anybody who's having these kind of adverse effects and is trying to get to the bottom of things and is trying to kind of tell people what's going on, is that it is almost so unbelievable. You know, it's like all these insane side effects that people are getting. And it's like, wait a minute, you got this from an antibiotic? Like antibiotics are usually thought to be rather mundane. Like mm-hmm. it's just it's just so over the top. Like the 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 different side effects that people are getting are so extreme. It just seems that I can I can imagine I can really feel for the people who are kind of trying to well, like yourself, Mark, who are trying to to you know spread the word and trying to uh, kind of get the information out there, or try to like just draw attention from their doctor, from their insurance, or whatever of what's actually happening is that you know they're just confronted with this this kind of. Uh, I mean, it, it comes back to to ignorance again. It's like it's, it's, people just don't know. It just seems so, um, like like antibiotics are not known to cause these kinds of problems, which I think is one of the big problems with these drugs. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, we we do just hit this uh, incredible wall of denial from the medical community and, and disbelief from everyone. And uh, you know, I you, think we that have, uh, people have such a strong belief in science. And scientific research, and they have no idea how many bogus studies are out there or how much the drug companies kind of uh, tinker with their numbers and sometimes even outright fake studies to get the results that they want. Mm. Yeah. I, yeah, we're definitely, as a society, far, far too overconfident in these uh 
like you said, science, uh, science has been corrupted across the board, especially mm-hmm. in big pharma yeah. more than anywhere. Um, you know, uh, the, the science that uh, goes into proving these drugs are safe makes tobacco science look legitimate. You know, mm. it's just, they, mm-hmm. they, you know, they, they'll, co- they'll, you know, just they'll if the like I think with one of the studies with uh, fluoroquinolones, we were talking about the time frame. Uh, it was a three month study, and they discovered that basically people were getting sick at three months, so they skewed it to two months and mm. and called it a two month mm-hmm. study. And and they're allowed to do things like that. It's like, oh no, we're going to make it a two month. You know, it used to be that when you designed a study, you were not allowed to deviate from the design of the study. But now you they basically can mm-hmm. can crunch the numbers and manipulate them and call it a different study. And mm-hmm. and uh, you know, yeah. take the numbers they have, extrapolate them in a way that looks good, and call that a study. And uh, and and things like that. So um, you know, I mean, just it's just it's fraudulent. It's just it it's gone from bad to, to you know just complete garbage. And uh, and another disturbing thing every- is that uh, some people they might take a dose or a course of Cipro or Avalox or Levaquin and they might be fine, and then they take another yeah. dose and all hell breaks loose. So that would not yeah. be reflected in the studies. But I'm not such a fan of scientific studies. I'm more of a fan of actual experience from people, real people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah. That, from medicine right now. I mean, that used to be, you know, until until the modern modern era, the doctor would listen to the patient, uh, both both for information and with respect and compassion. And, and mm-hmm. we get neither of that now. We have, you know, cold, uh, heartless doctors who, I mean, they, they may care, but, I mean, they're just, they're crunching crunching people through the office as quick as possible. They're thinking right away before they even come in and talk to us, you know, looking at the chart, uh, mm-hmm. compare, you know, like here's the symptoms, here's the, uh, you know, whatever, uh, the blood pressure, this and that. And, and they're already planning what drug they can prescribe to us uh, or what possible options that, and that uh, you know with just just a little bit more information from us that that will determine what they uh prescribe mm-hmm. and uh the you know the whole mindset that that's what they should be doing as opposed to sitting down and listening to us and determining what's going on you know what what happened tell mm-hmm. tell me what happened what you know what's your complaint why what are you feeling what you know what 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 did you do before this? You know, did you take an antibiotic? Did you get a vaccine? Did you, uh, you know, have you are you on uh, some sort of psych med or something like that? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just so many medications, statins, you know, things like that that are causing horrific problems in people's lives, and and the doctors are just oblivious. So, Mark, you said that you are ten years in. How are you faring now versus? You know, at the height of your symptoms, have things gotten any better for you? Yeah, uh, I wouldn't say I'm steadily improving, but it's like two steps forward, one step back, you know, three, mm-hmm. one, two, whatever, uh, you know, herky-jerky, uh, you know, have stretches where things improve, and then uh, my, my lungs collapse or something, you know. But, uh, I also mm. am prone to concussions and so on. Uh, 
every time I bump my head a little bit, I have to. I have a little uh, plastic insert that I wear in a ball cap to try for the impact on my head because uh, from one of the things we suffer frequently is uh, brain inflammation. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, pressure, incredible pressure inside her head. It's like people are saying it feels like pressure. It's like it is pressure. It's measured. They can, you know, look at our our brains with MRIs and notice the inflammation, and uh, um, that also leaves us prone to concussions. And I bopped my head last year pretty good. I'd already had some concussions in my life, and so I was super concussive for about three months, and now. Uh, every little bump, every little jar knocks mm-hmm. me back into a concussive state where I need to sleep, sleep a lot, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm, I'm dizzy and disoriented. Um, so so I, what I have you tried, car. Mark? What kind of treatments have you tried? Yeah. Are you strictly within the Western allopathic system, or are you trying some alternative treatments? Um. Well, I, uh, living, living, on disability, I don't have much money to try some of the some of the more expensive things that I see people trying on uh, on the internet. I'm also kind of fearful because uh, uh, an awful lot of people like they intervene, they try an intervention, and it just sends them it makes things worse. Uh, mm-hmm. They find out that you know that, that they uh, are unable to metabolize. Glutathione shots is the one that uh, people you know we want. Or they get on, and, and you can just spot these people. Sometimes it's like they're, you know, they're brand new to the group, and you're trying to tell them that, you know, okay, probiotics and magnesium are the core, hydration, and eat, you know, clean food. And they're looking into, you know, they're looking into what they can shoot, what they, you know, what supplements, what new sciences, and, and then we're trying to tell them over and over again, just take it easy, and, and they don't look into it, and they take a shot at glutathione, and they're, and they're, you know, suddenly not even able to communicate on the internet much anymore. Yeah, they might have a very strong detox and, uh, reaction that makes their symptoms worse in the short term. Yeah, or some it's loosened loosened from one part of their body but then failed to be moved and, and then just circulating in the bloodstream or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. without uh, being for you know, there's multiple multiple steps to break things down and, and move them from one system to another and finally expel them and uh, you know, if if you force a whole bunch of things along in one part of the chain and then another blink in the in the system isn't working, you end up with uh, all these, you know, uh, toxins that aren't mm-hmm. that have nowhere to go and uh, yeah especially if your detox pathways are damaged from the oxidative stress from the fluoroquinolones in the first place yep mm-hmm. and and it's very common and uh um so yeah the, i i mean i i eat mostly try and eat as much organic as i can um i live in in farm country so uh i can eat a lot from half the year in farm country in canada you know i eat a lot of things uh half the year fresh and and, uh not necessarily certified organic but from little farms that aren't using uh using anything nasty and uh and the other half of the year, stuff has to come from somewhere else. And uh, even all year round, we don't have coconut or anything like that. So no Canadians. Uh, you know, I try, trying to eat local and, and uh, you know, for, for both health reasons and, and uh, save the planet type reasons. But, mm-hmm. you know, in, in Canada, we're kind of limited on uh, our choices here. Uh, so, yeah, we get coconut and things. Uh, I use... Turmeric, like I was saying, and uh, 
uh, That's a good anti-inflammatory. Yeah, trying natural anti-inflammatory. I mean, it's a mix and match. I, I am on morphine for chronic pain and mm-hmm. gabapentin for nerve pain, which I didn't does really that know help? the difference. Yes, it does. Uh, okay. It's nasty. I hate to prescribe. I, I hate to recommend anything from the pharmaceutical industry, but the truth is, they have some things that help us. And uh, um, you know, the gabapentin. Uh, I I was feeling suicidal. It, it, to say it made me feel suicidal isn't really accurate because I was feeling suicidal at the time. But it was strange how it made me feel real casual about it. Mm-hmm. You know, thoughts about suicide, even in in the midst of some pretty horrific psychotic episodes and, and suffering that you know where common sense would say end it now. Um, you know, at that point, you're still worried about how it's going to affect your friends and families and your. Mm-hmm. And your you know, pets and, and on and on, you know, what kind of mess am I going to leave? And it just, it was a very casual feeling, you know, it's like, I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to have some soup. I'm going to kill myself. And, uh, uh, that was very fearful. Um, I, I would, you know, that went away within about a week. All of a sudden the nerve pain, which was the cervical, I have six bulging discs, four of them are in my neck and two are in my back, lower back. And, uh, the ones in my neck stopped hurting. And, and that, and, and the ones in my lower back didn't. And, and the pain doctor started me on those and then gave me the morphine and the morphine helped with the lower back. And, uh, I, I didn't really understand the difference between the nerve pain or regular pain. It's like, well, what do you mean? Pain comes from nerves or whatever. But, uh, the pinched nerves in my neck, uh, didn't really, didn't and don't respond to the morphine very well, but the gabapentin does help. Um, you know, all in all, I, I recommend people try and find healthy alternatives to anything from the pharmaceutical industry, but, uh, I'm, I'm not opposed to trying things, things from big pharma. So what is your outlook on this? I hope that your life is not all doom and gloom and there is actually some hope for the future and that you experience some joys in life. Well, yeah, I do. Uh, um, I I I'm actually very optimistic. Uh mm. I think this will uh become known soon. I, I hope to see sweeping changes in how you know, I think people are waking up to uh how to take care of themselves, uh how to uh fight a healthcare system that is uh designed to keep them unhealthy and to extract money from them. And uh, so, yeah, I, I'm going to keep uh, fighting the good fight. And uh, I believe that there will be national awareness of this soon. And that uh, I, hopefully hopefully, I'm trying to get the, you know, other people to work together, That it, whether they're mesh victims or whether they're uh, Lyme Lyme victim, you know, whether they have Lyme and have suffered the denial of the existence of Lyme all these years or mm-hmm. uh, vaccine damaged and so on and so forth, that, uh, that people need to work together uh, to to beat the system that is designed to keep them down and to, you know, the legal a legal system is, you know, the lawyers, they, they take their little cut. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's the whole system from the top to the bottom, everybody's making money and, uh, uh not really trying to change it, uh, mm. you know. So, uh, I think, I think that, um, reading through some of the fluoroquinolone support groups and their forums that they have, I think that a lot of people are waking up to the dangers of these drugs. But it comes at, 
an unfortunate effect that um, people like you have to suffer and share their stories for people to wake up. But I think that slowly people are doing that. Yep, I I, I agree. I you know more and more uh, programs, media sites, uh, social media. I guess is really the the difference uh, right now. I think, and and like I say, why I'm optimistic because social media people are getting together and talking about things that that they were not able to talk about before there's uh, waves of the you know truth about cancer truth about vaccine vaccine so on so forth i i anticipate something uh, like that about antibiotics soon and uh, whether whether they do it or whether it's something that i produce myself uh, or with you know a team of people that i'm uh working with uh we will we will have videos at some point soon and uh yeah it's a uh, just we we are one little piece of this bigger puzzle, this bigger health puzzle, where uh, people need to empower themselves and and do what it takes to be healthy and and not count on on a system that isn't designed to keep them healthy. Yeah, and they're also sharing what works for them and what doesn't work for them, like sharing certain supplements, side effects, what to expect when you take certain things, like the the magnesium or the vitamin C or PQQ, the pyroquinolone quinone that uh, helps with mitochondrial uh, protection and uh, mitochondrial biogenesis because one of the major things that these drugs do is that they totally screw with the mitochondria. And if you don't have healthy functioning mitochondria, basically you're sick because mitochondria are everywhere. Yep, that's the little power plants in every cell. Yeah. Without... uh Without power plants running at something close to full full capacity, mm. nothing nothing works right in the body. And that uh, mm. the FDA is actually sitting on uh, a variety of internal studies and some other studies showing that uh, there is severe mitochondrial damage. But they are slowly trickling out the information that they have, as opposed to admitting that they knew all these things all at once. Mm-hmm. You know, they. Uh, they, uh, it's they. I guess it's been 2013 that we found out that these have existed since sometime before then, 2007 or something like that. So I mean, they're you know they're uh, completely and totally a captured agency uh, working in the interest of the pharmaceutical industry and not in the interest of the people they're supposed to be protecting. Do you think that fluoroquinolones will ever be taken off the market? Like something like Vioxx was taken off the market after people started having heart attacks left and right. Uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, and in fact, well, I mean, they have to, they took the Naldexin and the, and the uh, parallel drugs off the market back then, and then they took the original, uh, some of the original fluoroquinolones off the market. So they're uh, numerous. Uh, the Tequin was banned. Uh, f- uh, Floxin was banned in America. We still have it up here in Canada. Um, so there are yeah, more than half of all the fluoroquinolones and quinolones have already been banned, and uh, it's possible that some of the other ones that we have now will also be banned for, you know, they prove to be particularly nasty in one regard or another. I, I I think the Tequin was uh, a blood sugar issues. It was causing people to have plummeting blood sugars. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, but these, like I said, these drugs probably saved my life. Uh, it's just that the doctor gave me six times too much. And in conjunction with uh, 
other drugs that he shouldn't have, you know, if they were prescribed in hospitals only, in life or death situations only, in conjunction with only drugs that are safe, uh, that they have their place. But, uh, yeah, those um, are a lot of onlys. Yeah, uh, and if we can't, and if we can't make okay. all those onlys happen, then yeah, they need to take them right off the market. Um, yeah. because they're doing far, certainly doing far more harm than good. You see, uh, when there's media, uh, things or whatever, a lot of times trolls will show up or, or actual people with, uh, who are ignorant and show up and, oh, well, you know, gosh, we can't take antibiotics off the market. They save a million people for every person they hurt. And it's like, no, no, no. These drugs are actually hurting thousands of people for every person. Person that actually actually benefits from them, you know, uh, the you know where I, the, sometimes the people will benefit, but they would have benefited from a safer antibiotic without the harm. But yeah. it is a cumulative thing. It, uh, you know, like you said, the people can take it and they feel nothing, and then they take it and they feel you know a little twinge of anxiety or a strange pain in their thumb, and then they take it again and they have a trouble breathing and they get a little bit of an anxiety. And they take it again, and they and their life is gone as mm-hmm. they know it. There's you know multiple ten- you know, all the things: the tendon ruptures, the cartilage lesions, the uh, you know skin sagging and 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 falling, you know just uh, the bleeding and the and the uh, just internal, you know, internal problems, the veins failing and, and it's unbelievable all the things that can happen and, and, uh, they set in and, and life is over. That's it. The, the, the pay, you know, the paperwork and the, and the things on the media and stuff say, man, so, you know, if you're taking these drugs and you, uh, notice some pain in your tendon or whatever, call your doctor. And it's like, by that time it's too late. You're mm-hmm. screwed. It's over. You know, it's just mm-hmm. the the false sense of security that that and the when used properly and stuff. I mean, they have these, you know, these little words that they're put in there, and it's just like they they know darn well that it's mm-hmm. it's all carefully fabricated facade that is uh, designed to make the drugs look much 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 safer than they are. And the painfully ironic thing is, the people who've been hurt by the fluoroquinolones turn back to the very same system that poisoned them in the first place and expect you know, a cure or some answers or, you know, some help. And it's really sad that they are not able to get it. Yeah, 99.9% of the people who have had this happen to them have no clue what happened to them and have been either misdiagnosed with lupus or fibro or Parkinson's or ALS or Gulf War syndrome or any of a hundred other things. And and their doctors then have... uh, prescribed them chemicals and and worsen their situation or they've been labeled as uh nutcases we have an awful lot of people stuck in mental hospitals Mm -hmm. uh some some just disappear others are able to communicate with us horror stories of what's happening to them uh, being forced to eat garbage food you know uh and and uh not believed whatsoever and forced to take medications that are are worsening their situation horribly and uh another thing that we get labeled as uh it's clear that uh on the cipro side of things uh we have been labeled uh as people who are seeking uh free disability the, the, oh, the, yeah. the uh 
drug reps were clearly spreading a reputation, like saying that uh, there's a rumor out on the Internet that you can scam free money by claiming that the fluoroquinolones hurt you. So Mm -hmm. these people go into the office and not only are they uh, not believed, but uh, they are uh, considered to be, you know, scum. Yeah, they're malingering or they're drug seeking. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. That's just dirty. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, they, they do play dirty like that. And, and so many people are victims. The vast majority of people go to the system trusting, you know, thinking, thinking the doctor will be able to diagnose them and he won't and that he'll have an answer for them and he doesn't. And, uh, and that, uh, the answers that he thinks he has will make them worse and, and worse in the situation almost all the time. I mean, it's very, very, very consistent that, uh, we do have some sort of problem metabolizing and, and that when we are prescribed something, it makes things worse. Uh, it's, it's only a very rare situation where somebody gets prescribed something from uh, a Western doctor, allopathic doctor, and finds that they are able to metabolize it and it benefits them. It's, it's not without, uh, without any evidence of that, but I mean, just the, the vast majority of it su- of suffer more when the doctors continue to prescribe stuff as, as I did, my doctors, I just could in, in hindsight, it's just like, literally I was on, uh, you know, my blood, the blood pressure thing. I was on hydrochlorothiazide and the mm-hmm. tenolol. I was on Prevacid for the stomach pain plus, uh, owned Decetron for, for the nausea. And I, and, uh, I was on, uh, Ambien for sleep mm-hmm. and Valume for anxiety. And I was on, uh, Oxycontin for breakthrough pain and Percocet for, uh, you know, the main pain. And I was on, uh, you know, just warfarin for the blood clots. And I was on something else because I'd lost control of my bladder. I can't mm-hmm. remember the propyrrole or something like that. And I was on, you know, just like uh, all these different drugs. It's and it's so sad because that is not uncommon. That very drug cocktail, I'm pretty sure of probably come across patients who are on all of those drugs all at the same time yes yes that that is that (laughs) that it doesn't even blow them and then when the patient dies they think wow that patient must have been so sick because we gave him we threw everything we had at him Mm -hmm. all the all our best tools and and still he didn't make it and that's their mindset and it's just like the truth is that the average doctor kills a lot of people that way you know, mm-hmm. the average doctor has a trail of bodies behind him hundreds and hundreds long, you know, just of, of people that he killed that he shouldn't have killed mm-hmm. or, should, you know, she. Mm-hmm. Sex well, is there yeah. if you could say something to the audience or someone who's, you know, considering taking an antibiotic or a fluoroquinolone or something besides don't take it. Is there any advice that you would give? <laughs> Well, I guess if they absolutely have to, because sometimes people find them so they can't take macrid, they can't take, you know, they're, they're allergic to the psyllins, like I, I, I'm allergic to penicillin and so on and so forth. So sorry, there are people that have to take them, in which case they need to know to take magnesium. They need to know to take probiotics. Those are the two things that, you know, if you're taking the antibiotic uh, on a 
12 hour, you know, if you're taking one, one, one a day, uh, 12 hours off from that, you want to take probiotics and, mm-hmm. and you want to take magnesium because it takes magnesium to process these drugs and your body will come up with that magnesium from anywhere, which, uh, coincidentally tendons are the best source mm-hmm. of, you know, the biggest storehouses of magnesium in our bodies. So, uh, that's why one of the, one of the reasons that tendons rupture is because uh, your body will suck the, uh, magnesium out of them, and the biggest one is your Achilles. So that that makes the that's why the Achilles tendon rupture is the telltale mm. injury. Uh, the magnesium is sucked right out of there. Plus, you know, dozens of other things are all going wrong. Circulation suddenly fails, so you're not getting the nutrients to the tendons anymore, and not pulling the uh, toxins away from the tendons, you know, so or any other cells throughout the body. But the you know, with the magnesium sucked right out of there, that really dooms the tendons in particular to severe damage and uh mm. so the magnesium uh if if you have been harmed uh the fluoroquinolone toxicity group on facebook is the main group uh if you if you're looking at them uh watch your uh messages and message requests because the admins will be screening you we don't just let people in um and there are some great websites. The Quinolone Vigilance Foundation uh, is one of them. has great information. Um, and uh, yeah. Well, yeah, thanks for that information. The Facebook group is the main group that you're involved in. I was the senior admin of Flora Quinolone Toxicity Group until just recently. Mm-hmm. I uh, resigned, um, and and. I still run most of the uh, many side groups. There's there's probably about a hundred groups, and I run about sixty of them. Uh, they focus on a variety of things, ranging from like we have a group called FQFB 101 that helps the uh, seniors and other people that are just getting on Facebook because they're floxed and desperate for information. So we have mm-hmm. this group to help them. We have Christian floxies for the Christians. We have mm-hmm. groups focusing on various symptoms or treatments. There's this iodine group iodine is one of the things that uh we recommend eventually um it tends to be uh, a little harsh at, at first sometimes for people but uh you know, basically we try basically food water rest you know and and, and core uh, probiotics and magnesium and, and you know give those time and start filtering in some other things uh mm-hmm. um Having, having people, uh, I would recommend don't, don't take a bunch of things all at once. Track what's going, you know, if, if this has happened to you and you're, and you are trying to treat yourself, the approach, the shotgun approach of grabbing everything that you think might help is almost always a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Um, people, you need to, you need to sort of track what it is that, uh, you're taking and, and, you know, because like magnesium is, is what helps, uh, most of us, but some of us don't process magnesium, or some of us process magnesium citrate properly, but not magnesium oxide or whatever right. the case may be. And 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 uh, so they uh, need to. You know, what helps one person will hurt another person. There is mm-hmm. it's such a complex, intricate collection of of different types of damage. There's the initial core damage from from the way it uh, affects our DNA, but it also, like I said, the circulation fails. You've got the uh, way it just completely nukes every every bit of 
bug and you know every beneficial and uh, otherwise organism in our body is nuked and gone and so then whatever uh opportunistic bugs are around will move in and set up shop so if you're mm-hmm. if you're taking probiotics or or ideally even getting something like a fecal transplant from a, a controlled and, and known beneficial source mm-hmm. and, and so on and so or forth probiotic that, uh, enemas yeah, and so on and so forth. All these different things, and fermented foods, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, uh, there's even you know, mm-hmm. eating soy. There's certain soils and stuff that have uh, uh, combinations of probiotics and minerals that are good, and and, and so on and so forth. So, uh, you know, there's ways to get these organisms back into our systems, but we lose so many from from you know when we're born through the birth canal right up through the you know day before we get flocks we've been con- collect- collecting uh organisms and and uh you know maintaining the good ones and and booting the bad ones and all of a sudden they're all gone and, and whatever comes you know, if you're in the hospital the organisms that are moving in and setting up shop are not going to be friendly and mm-hmm. uh um yeah. so yeah the hospital uh, is no place to get well but yeah, that was, no, yeah. Those are some good tips and some good resources if people are looking for uh, more information on fluoroquinolone toxicity. Uh, thanks so much for that information. You're welcome. Thanks for having <laughs> me on. Well, thank you. Yeah, thanks so much, Mark. <laughs> thanks, Doug. So uh, I want to wish you luck in your future endeavors of spreading the word. Hopefully more people will become aware of how dangerous fluoroquinolones are. They can protect themselves. They can protect their loved ones. Uh, I just want to add, always, always, always do your own research. Don't trust everything that your doctor says. If you suspect that you have an infection and your doctor wants to give you an antibiotic, please insist on having a culture done so you can see if you actually do have an infection and what that certain bacteria would be susceptible to. Before you go ahead and take any kind of antibiotic. So, Mm -hmm. thank you again, Mr. Mark Gerard. Thanks for joining us. Uh, You can check out our health and wellness show next week, uh, where we'll have a topic that is yet to be announced. You can also check out the other shows, uh, either Behind the Headlines or The Truth Perspective, on Sundays on the SOT Radio Network. And thanks for listening, and thank you so much, Mark, for joining us. Thank you. Have a nice day.